the Koigig part on Off the Ball. Having taken a poor penalty for you as a goalkeeper, mentally to go back and go, and you've seen it. It was such a poor effort from her. Mackenzie Ireland should have saved that penalty. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. And then there were two. So England against Spain is your World Cup final on Sunday morning in Sydney, 11am Irish time. Spain were 2-1 winners against Sweden yesterday, full of drama. This morning, England 3, Australia 1, the final score. England, very good value for that win as well. They took the lead. Australia equalised a brilliant Sam Kerr goal. But England responded again. They were the better team throughout really felt and so we have our final Spain against England very happy to say Martin Lipton from The Sun is with us Martin great to have you on again hello and Katie Wyatt from The Athletic is with us as well hey Katie are you okay very good so Katie both uh, teams in the final for the first time Uh, it doesn't always happen at every World Cup have we got the two best teams in the competition in the final I think think so yeah I think Japan maybe feel a little bit aggrieved that they're not here but I think that this is the toughest test that England will definitely face at this competition yeah what about you Martin? Look I thought that Japan were the standout team in the in the group phase and I thought they would be the the team from that half of the draw um particularly the way they demolished Spain in their group match I mean they put them put put them to to pieces really they were much much better and they you know, sucked them into the trap and picked them off time and time again. And Spain couldn't cope with their runners from deep, which was quite interesting. Um, but I think that we all knew that Spain were a really good team. And of course, the Euros, they were brutally hit by injuries. Uh, and now, even though Patelis isn't the player she, she might be, shall we say, she's still a presence in the squad. Um, and I think that they seem to have a degree of unity amongst themselves, even if they're not entirely sold on the coach. Um, and... They are a very good team. You know, look at the way that the, the Barcelona side have played uh, in the Champions League over the last few seasons. So they're, they're very, very talented. Uh, and it's going to be really, really tough. I, I do think that it's been an interesting tournament. I think what we've seen is a slight mirroring of, of men's football, where the strength of Europe is becoming all the more great comparative to the rest of the world. Uh, and that maybe always ill going forward for, for w- women's football if it becomes an, a, a, another version of domination by the richest um, nations. Uh, but I also think it's been a great tournament for upsets and surprises. And some of the performances we saw from the likes of, of Nigeria and Colombia and Jamaica were really good for the development of the game. England were fully deserving winners this morning, Katie. Yeah, I think that what's really going to be interesting, and Martin said it himself, that the way that Spain kind of couldn't handle the, the runners from deep um, earlier in this competition. And I think that Lauren Hemp, with that in mind, has probably come into form at just the right time. I thought that some of her movement today was really, really superb. And I think particularly in a kind of under-talked, under-discussed aspect of, of Ella Toon's goal was the kind of half faint from Lauren James to move out of the way to allow Toon to open up and have that shot. So I think the form of her... And whether we see Lauren James again in the final, um, the role that Ella Toon has to play. I think those players that can be a little bit more direct, that can run in behind, that can um, turn defences in the way that, that those players can, are going to be really, really vital against Spain because England will know that, they, that they're not going to have the ball. And I think that they'll be far more mature and ready with potentially a bit more of a direct bent than they had when they played them at the Euros last summer and were probably the most difficult side that they faced in the tournament last year. Katie, be curious for your perspective on what Serena Wiegmann uh, has done here because it's been an incredible two years with England. They have one defeat in 37 matches. They were crowned European champions last year. 
and Wiegmann won the Euros with her native Holland in 2017 and also reached a World Cup final in 2019. She was almost uh, touch speechless, speechless on the BBC interview this morning after the game, a little bit emotional. Uh, we're pretty much talking by the generally, ex- we're generally, we're pretty much talking about the generally accepted best coach in the world, I presume here. Yeah, it's, it was very funny watching that interview. It's of uncharacteristic emotion that very often you see her not guarded with the press, but Martin will have had far many more dealings with her than I have, but just very kind of just quiet and, and tempers everything down and is quite um, placid about things when it's sometimes the players that get a bit swept up. So that interview was very striking to see her overcome in a way that we've never seen her before. But I think as the first manager to get two separate women's teams to two separate finals and then to repeat here what she has done out in the Netherlands when they obviously reached their Euros and won their home Euros, then went to the final, fell at the final hurdle against the US. And I think with seeing that transition of power more broadly with the traditional powers in women's football, like the Germanys, the US is not showing up difficulties with their head coaches. I think Wiegmann now has emerged as probably the best coach in, in women's international football, certainly I think club level. And probably a number of other people just like nudging her out of the way for that crown potentially. But I think she, the FA know how good she is and I think that she's been able to benefit from a talent pool that England that is is very, very deep as well. That coming into this tournament, I didn't expect England to get to the final. I thought that those injuries to the likes of Beth Mead and Leah Williamson would have posed them far greater problems than they have. But I think for them to be able to manage those injuries, to set up structurally in the way that they have, for all they haven't, delighted people at this tournament in the way that they did at the Euros and beating teams 8 or 9 nil. One, I think they've come up with far, against fast earner opposition but mm. two, I think they've still managed to answer tactically the vast majority of questions that have been asked of them. So I think that the way that she manages to answer and approach things tactically has been really, really impressive right from in the Euros when we saw her make really impactful substitutions. Yeah. Martin, curious for your sense of Serena Vigman and the job that she's done here. I think it's hard to underestimate the, the quality of the job that's that's been done over the last few years. I mean, she has been absolutely outstanding. And the the key, key and critical thing is she's made a bunch of players who, and Katie and I were at the World Cup in, in 2019, I don't think they believed they could win that tournament. I thought they, they felt that getting to the semis and losing to America was almost as good as they could get because they weren't good enough to go any further. And it's pretty much a lot of those players are the same players. And then you look at them now and they know they can win. They genuinely expect to beat everyone. And that comes from real belief in what the, in the messaging uh, that the coach gives, as well as belief in themselves as players. But more importantly, that they look at her and they think that she'll find the answer. And that pays such a huge part. If you genuinely think that your coach is the best coach, has the answers, knows what to do, even if you don't necessarily appreciate what she asks you to do, you do it because you know it's going to work. And you're, you you have that faith that carries you through the doubt. And you see that. I mean, there were times in this tournament when I was looking at the, the structure and thought, I'm not sure about this, but I was wrong because clearly it was the only time they really looked uncomfortable was against Nigeria, who were, I thought, absolutely brilliant on the day. They're much the better team. Uh, and England, though, I think they were integrating Kira Walsh, who wasn't really properly up to speed, in back into the team. And I think it destabilised them slightly. But even in those circumstances, they found a way to grind it out and stay in the game. Never really looked like losing too much after the, after those two early shots against Woodwork, and then one when it mattered on penalties. And it, it's that 
unerring instinct from the coach to make things right when it matters that, that has a huge impact on the players. Mm. The Premier League, the men's Premier League is, is back and that is a kind of behemoth and a juggernaut that seems to suck up so much of the ox- oxygen, uh, Katie, in the media landscape. But this English team obviously landed in a big way last summer and any time I look at English media news websites they're often the most read story or two or three top three generally so uh, they've, they've properly kind of ensconced themselves in the English sporting uh, fan heart I suppose uh, to, to use a clunky kind of uh, way of terming it but they, they, they properly arrive now they're a big deal and, and I'm getting a sense of mania over there this week yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like because as someone who's been covering the women's game, I don't want to say for years and years because mm. people have been covering it for decades longer than I have. But um, I was at the 2019 World Cup and during my first season covering women's football, Chelsea reached a Champions League semi-final and we flew out to Lyon to watch them them play there. And that felt for me massive. And you would kind of thought because it was live on the BBC at the time and that was a fairly new thing. Um, for women's club games and you felt that that was huge and you kind of felt the whole world was watching and then it was you stepped out of that bubble and actually it had not already registered yeah. so then for seeing the Euros and the impact of the World Cup is weird because it's like well it actually has registered and just seeing the reaction of people that going on Facebook groups and you see men that have never watched the women's game before who were just kind of staggered by it and people that who has now reached a level of mainstreamness where in their heads it's kind of as big or as legitimate as men's football and I've never believed that the women's game has needed to attract all the fans from the men's game in order to be legitimate. I've never believed that thought in view, but I think it's certainly reaching a point where it's valued now in a way that it hasn't before and accepted in a mainstream level. But that said, people in my position that are kind of covering the women's game regularly, you're always looking at, oh, that's, that thing needs changing, that thing needs improving. So I think that they're always lingering at the back of my mind. But I definitely think that in moments like this, you are taken aback by the mainstreamness of it. But that said, someone did point out to me today that if it was the men's team reaching a final, you would have seen the flags on cars, you would have the street parties. So I think there's that, I don't know if that's just a timing thing with the time difference, but I do think there's maybe a level of uh, fandom and commitment that we, we've not quite got to yet with this. Yes, I suppose, Martin, if you compare it to the men's or the, if the English men's team were to reach a World Cup final, then the mania, to use my word, this week would be considerably less than if the men were to do it. So if you, if you compare it with, with that, it's not so good. But if you compare it with the last decade, last couple of decades, then we're seeing just an extraordinary growth. Yeah, there's no question that this is a team which uh, people are aware of now in a way that they wouldn't have been a few years ago. And that's really positive. Women's football has had an impact uh, in, in the last few years, clearly. And it will continue to have so. And I think if there was a, uh, a terrestrial... Uh, time slot for Women's Super League on a Saturday afternoon or lunchtime more regularly, that would benefit as well because it would make the the players more identifiable and give them even greater reach. And this is a real chance. I mean, if they were to win this game, or even if they don't, the the growth of the game can really snowball. And the most important thing, actually, is to encourage the next generation of lionesses, lion, lion cubs, as they would be now, to play to want to play, to get the chance to play uh, at six, seven, eight. Because if you start playing really young, two, three, four, to be honest, you're going to be better players by the time you get to 16, 18, 20, 24. Um, And now there's also a much better structure within the the Women's Super League, which there wasn't a decade ago. 
So there's a real opportunity now, and there's money being invested in foot, in women's football by the FA and by the club. Now you could argue not not enough by the clubs, and that's to come. I think they'll have to because there's a, a desire and, and a determination for it to happen. Um, the chance, the prospect of England's women team becoming even bigger as an as an entity are, are definitely there, and that that would be great. And I think the more uh, girls and women see what a great team this are, this 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 team are as and men as well, but and want to be part of it. The next the seven year old girl watching this final on Sunday morning and thinking that could be me in eight years or twelve years time. Yeah, that's what you want. Because Katie over here in Ireland, I'd say. On a, on a far lesser scale, it probably runs in parallel with what's happening in England in that over here, the women's international side are big news. They get very good viewing figures. People are aware of the players. And then the National League is growing and improving, but considerably behind in terms of media coverage and attendances. Again, at a bigger scale, it looks to be the ca- similar case in England that this this national team now are super popular, get big crowds, and then the Super League, last time I looked, the average attendance was about 6,000 fans um, mm. a week, which it must be said is a 200% increase on the year before. So it does show like the, the rate of growth, but it's it's considerably lower. That's kind of where we are. The international team is number one by a distance and then the league is trying to uh, get onto the coattails a touch of that growth. No, you're absolutely right. I think the success of the Lionesses, and this has been the plan ever since, the, they had the bronze medal in 2015 and they launched this kind of go watch the Lionesses at, at their clubs campaign. And the success of the Lionesses has always been underpinning the WFLs, I think, that propels the league forward. But yeah, those intendances as well are kind of artificially inflated to a certain degree by the games that they have at the men's stadiums where they're getting kind of 40,000, 60,000 in the Champions League for, for Arsenal women games. So there is a growth potential there, but it does feel like the league is slightly a little bit behind that you have these Lionesses games that have got 11 million viewers for the World Cup final in, World Cup semi-final in 2019. We'll see how many million this got this morning at some point, but um, yeah I think that's absolutely right and I think it's until you kind of I mean there's no easy answer to how to grow the WFL I think there's certain clubs Manchester United I think have been at the one of the first ones that try to buy into the rivalries there in the men's game and bringing the fans over from the men's game uh, whereas some clubs feel a little bit more separate than that other ones that have got a number of lionesses um, in the club so I think at the last World Cup Manchester City had eight of the lionesses for example they've got more of an opportunity to use that marketing side some clubs that don't have any national team players might be struggling with a, a lionesses heavy marketing strategy so I think there's a few different routes that they have to go down I think that the club game in the women's football it still maybe feels a bit like a family day out rather yes. than respected in the way that the Lionesses go when you go to Lionesses a real respect for the kind of tactical technical side of it and it's discussed and analysed in that way whereas I think um, that, that there's still potentially uh, an idea that women's football is only for kind of kids and families yes. and I hope we see now a bit of a broadening out into a, a wider audience as, as we have, should have had at this World Cup Yeah uh, Martin it is extraordinary when you think the men's international senior team are a very serious outfit now who are, are gunning for the biggest prizes in world football Lee Carsley's under 21 side winning tournaments the women's team are on the cusp of a Euros World Cup double uh, the men's domestic league is like the de facto super league of the world it's like the most extraordinary golden age in English football yeah we can start winning things even better at the highest level so but let's, let's start that'd be great to see that start on Sunday 
um, because it's it's winning at the A team level, the, you know, the men's and women's senior team that really makes makes a mark. We saw and with Spain with their incredible success from 2008 onwards. That, uh, and this, you know, obviously the women have won the Euros. If they win the World Cup as well, then they've set the benchmark that, that is there for all, the whole world. And that, that's what you want. I mean, English football has huge financial resources, bigger than any other nation financially. Uh, and for a long time, there was, I always felt, a, a desire within the Premier League for the English national team to be a failure because then all the glory went to the Premier League. Now that's no longer the case. The relationship between the two organisations has never been tighter. And I do think that were the WSL to become a, a sort of a province of the Premier League, which is definitely in the ether and likely to happen, that would even strengthen the women's game as well, because you'd have uh, uh, the bigger clubs more personally invested in the competition if they were the ones who were running the competition. And that would be beneficial potentially, I think. Uh, but yes, we've got you know incredible talent in English football. It's clear, you know, who are the the best, brightest young players on the planet who people are desperate to get. They're they're Bellingham's and Foden's in the men's game, and there's going to be uh, women coming, you know, looking at the women coming through and the next generation of women's players, hopefully as well. And they will be wanted by the big class because they, they there's a success pathway pathway there that people want to want to tap into. Mm. Well, look, we're thrilled for you. Uh, we couldn't be more. I can delighted. tell. <laughs> uh, Katie, what happens Sunday then? Me or Katie can go. No, let, 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 let's let Katie walk the plank first, and then you can give us your take. I just can't see this Spain team not scoring, given how good they have been in attack at times and how well they keep the ball. Um, but I do think England are probably a lot more mature side for all them without a number of key players than they were at the, the World Cup at the Euro. Sorry, in terms of handling those moments of adversity, and I think the form of Lauren Hemp after today's performance in particular, um, her and Ruth, as I was saying earlier, are going to have to have massive games in terms of those third man runs and those runs in behind, like they did today. So. With them being on the form that they are now after today, I'm slightly more confident and I'm going to go 2-1 England. OK. Martin? England will go in as favourites. I think that's fair. Mm. Uh, I think this could be actually a, a coin toss of a game. I think Spain are very, very good. I think they've got a goal threat. They've got solidity. And I think it will take a really, really top performance. If England play like they did today, they will win. If they play like they did against Nigeria, they will lose. Um, they have to give a performance that's that's right up there. Every single one of them, no mistakes. England got a little bit more, perhaps, but it's that tight. I think it could easily go all the way to to the dreaded mm. test of, of nerve from 12 yards. OK, well, that sets it up. Thank you both. Enjoy Sunday. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks. That's Katie Wyatt from The Athletic and Martin Lipton from The Sun. And the Women's World Cup showing off the ball is with thanks to Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.